You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 183. Hello and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and back on the podcast today, I have two of my very favorite people in the whole world, and that's Natalie Delaney and Heidi Bollard. Both of these ladies have been on the podcast before, but I bring them back because it's just so good, because I love them so much, and I want to be able to share all of the goodness and knowledge and um, truth bombs that they have and that they drop in this episode. So... Heidi and Natalie and I go way back. I can't remember if we talk about it in this episode or not, but in the past I had coached both of them. Um, Heidi, I did one-to-one coaching. Nat, I did custom macros for. And then we, and that was when I lived in North Carolina and they lived in California and we just were like online friends. And then I moved to California and I moved... 10 minutes up the road from both of them. And so now we've become in-person friends and we CrossFit together and we talk about business and they're just, they're two of my very favorite people. So with this topic and this podcast episode, we wanted to talk specifically about being a mom and being postpartum and having children and just what that experience is like, what it's taught us, what we want our clients who are in those phases of life to know. And on this podcast episode, I share some kind of vulnerable things that I haven't always talked about. And I told Heidi and Nat before we started hitting record that it was something that I wanted to share on the podcast in, in our episode that we were recording together, but that I felt very nervous about because I worry about how people will respond when I talk about this. So you have that to look forward to. I'll just entice you with that like juicy tidbit that I get real on on this episode. And um, so did Heidi and Nat. And we really share what we think and what we feel and our experience and really make the point that our experiences have all been completely different and yours will probably be different as well. And that's 100% okay. So without further ado, let's jump into the podcast with Heidi and Nat. Hi guys. <laughs> We're so excited because we are hanging out with Amber, Biceps After Babies on a double podcast because yeah. who, doesn't, who doesn't like Double some your efi- pleasure, double your fun. Yeah. Who doesn't like some efficiency? <laughs> so we are posting this on both of our podcasts and today we're going to talk about a super sensitive topic actually. And we are going to throw out a couple of disclaimers and some trigger warnings before the episode gets started because there is a good chance you might be feeling, you might feel a little bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I do want to give a trigger warning for this. If you're at that place where we're going to be talking about motherhood and pregnancy and babies, and if that's a sensitive topic for you, whether you are in, feel you're in that infertile space right now or suffering from a miscarriage or feel like your motherhood doesn't measure up, or you're just in a tender place right now, uh, I do just want to give a warning. It's okay to skip this episode. Um, we're just going to be sharing our experiences. We had a long conversation before we even hit record about this because we do we want to do this topic 
well and we want to do it proud, but we can only speak from our own experiences. And uh, we're not experts in this field. We're just three moms with a bunch of kids between us. And we're just going to talk about our experiences. <laughs> exactly. And I think there's definitely going to be some vulnerable moments between the three of us that we're going to share. And also understand that at the end of the day, we are very, very aware that our three experiences, not only are they not identical or alike by any means, there's no right or wrong experience that either of us had to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think leading with that, because I think as uh, Matt and Heidi and I talked about this before the podcast, that kind of, kind of was like the reoccurring theme that I, I want, I want the listeners to get by the end of, of our conversation is like, we're going to share all of our different experiences. We're going to share our different, you know, emotions and, and physical experiences and all of those things. But at the end of the day, all of our experiences are valid. None of them are the right way to experience motherhood or pregnancy. None of them are the wrong way to experience motherhood or pregnancy. It just, everybody has their own experience. And so our hope is that you get to the end of this episode and just feel like normalized. Like it's all normal. Like whatever you're Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not, and also none of this is meant to make you feel like maybe you'll make, maybe you'll feel a little bit better about it. Maybe you'll feel a little worse about it. And there, those are really just feelings. Well, and what we're truly trying to hope, trying to get some leverage over is this kind of comparison trap that we get into as women's. And I think this, this zone, I think for us, was particularly difficult in terms of feeling judged or um, being hard on ourselves. So we, like Amber said, we want to normalize some of this experience for you and realize like, we're all just, we're, we're women, complex human beings, just trying to do the best we can. And the less we can compare and, um, and put unreal expectations on ourselves, the better off we're going to be both in our terms of our own personal happiness and our ability to enjoy motherhood and on and on and on. And you might be wondering like why we're even recording this podcast to begin with. We get a lot of questions, the three of us about what ways, what ways the right way to be, what ways the right way to do this? Like what about my body before baby? What about my body after baby and weight loss, cutting calories, nursing, all of these things. things. And so it's really just our opinions realize like we're the only kind of like expertise we have is that we've suffered through it all and like enjoyed (laughs) it all. Um, between the three of us, we have 12 kids, we've had five miscarriages. So we definitely have had a variety of experiences, but at the same time, you know, very unique once again to each individual of us. And so know as we share our own personal anecdotes and things like that, that this is just literally what we've lived. So there's no like... And what we've learned through coaching as well. And this does not override medical advice, but perhaps there might be um, things that you hear that make you question some of the advice you've gotten, whether it's from friends, family, or or from doctors. It's to have a better, more informed discussion about um, how you want to experience your body and pregnancy and all of those things. And let's just say it out loud. You'll receive a lot of unsolicited advice um, in motherhood, pre-motherhood, post-motherhood. So this is just three, probably more unsolicited advice (laughs) and opinions coming your way. So just please know that like, we love you guys. We're grateful for you. And just, this is just a little bit of a spirit of openness. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't want unsolicited advice, just skip it. (laughs) 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 Okay. So I think Mm -hmm. it would be interesting to kind of establish like what it's even looked like. So, Amber, as your handle says, biceps after babies. Let's also talk about before babies. Let's talk about the Amber before babies, during, and then maybe a little bit after, and then we'll share our own. So by all means. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, many people who are listening to my podcast know my story. I got started lifting weights at age 14 when my mom, who was a group fitness instructor at the YMCA, took me into the weight room and was like, 
here's a dumbbell. Here's how you do curls. Here's how you do overhead press. And, and really like showed me the ropes at age 14. And to me that uh, I tell this story because it was such a pivotal time for me to, to, we talk about being normal, right? To me, it like normalized women lifting weights. That was normal to me. That was not a weird thing of like having a woman go into the weight room and lift weights. That was normalized to me because that's what I saw my mom do. And that's what she just showed me. Like, this is what you do when you, when you get older. And, um, so that, you know, really started my, my journey in terms of, of weightlifting and exercising. And that was always a big part of my life. My mom taught fitness classes from the time that I was born until, the time that I got married, um, she, it was always a part of her life. And so she just made it a part of ours. And, uh, when I, when I went to college, um, I continued to get a little bit more into lifting weights. And, um, when my husband started medical school, uh, there was a gym nearby that I went and lift weights at, and I got pregnant that first year of medical school. So, um, I remember very, very, like very much when I was getting more and more pregnant so that people could actually look at me and tell me that I was pregnant. I got the most, like all of the unsolicited advice (laughs) at the gym. Are you sure you should be doing that? Oh, you like, why are you lifting that much weight? Oh my gosh. Like get that bar off your back. Like all of the things came up for me. And, um, to me, it was really weird because I, my mom had seven pregnancies and I saw her work out through every single pregnancy. And my husband at the time was a med student, but he went on to become an OBGYN. And I will tell you from a physician's perspective, like working out is one of the best things that you can do for your body when you're pregnant. Um, and so I have, and you know, Nat and Heidi are going to talk about their experience, but my experience is a little different because I've been working out for since I was 14 years old. Um, and that's been a normal experience of mine. And because of that, because of who I am, because I roll dice a certain way. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, but yeah, like when I got some genetic lottery, like pregnancy for me has been, was a very easy experience. I mean, I got sick during the first semester, but physically pregnancy was a fairly easy experience for me. And my deliveries, I bounced back very fast from my deliveries. In fact, I was, I was telling Nat and Heidi that I almost hate to share these experiences because it doesn't win me any friends when I talk about these. And, and Nat and Heidi um, really encouraged me to share because again, the, the hypothesis or the thesis of this podcast is that we can normalize everything, right? It's not a good experience or a bad experience. We're just like, it's just an experience. It's a normal experience. So for me, I actually walked home from the hospital um, after I had my first baby um, <laughs> I remember when we were being discharged, we lived on the campus of the medical center, right? My husband's a med student, remember? So we lived on the campus. And I remember when they were discharging me, they were like, how are you going to get home? And I was like, well, we're going to walk. <laughs> we're gonna walk home. And the nurse was like, oh, so what? <laughs> I was like, no, no, we like live really close. But they almost wouldn't discharge me and let me walk home. But I walked home. After my fourth baby, I remember I was in the hospital, um, just had had my baby. I got a phone call. Um, any of you guys who are LDS, you know that like the bishopric calls you to give talks and prayers. And I got a phone call from a bishopric member and the bishopric member was like, Hey, can you give a, uh, a prayer on Sunday? And I was like, well, I actually am like, I'm in the hospital. Like I, I just had my baby and I like paused because I thought he would be like, Oh, oh, never mind. You know, yeah. like, just, <laughs> me like, too. Are you telling me you didn't? <laughs> just, you're, you're fine. But he didn't, I like paused and he like, didn't say anything. And I was like, but we're going to be at church on Sunday. So sure. I'll give, I'll give the talk or I'll give the prayer. And, um, <laughs> I, so I did two days after I had my baby, I walked up, they announced my baby. I walked up, I gave the opening prayer. And like I said, it 
that experience didn't win me a ton of friends. Um, I was actually brand new in the ward too. Um, and so they really liked you. <laughs> yeah. They, like, that's what I'm saying. It was like, who the heck is this, is this woman who is getting up two days after she had a baby and, um, saying a prayer in church. And again, I think it's like the experience is my experience and whether I rolled genetic dice or that's just my personality or whatever. Like it's not that my experience is, is better or worse than anybody else's. It simply is my experience. And so I think it's for those of you who are out there who are like me and are weird like me, it's important to normalize that as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, those are my, I had four babies and uh, the handle biceps after babies actually came after I had my last. And I was thinking about what do I want my handle to be? And it was this idea that so many women think that their, their best bodies are behind them when they have women. And I wanted to be an example that your best body can be ahead of you at any point in your life, whether it's babies or age or medical conditions or whatever, like your best, whatever you want to have can be ahead of you. It doesn't have to be behind you. And so that's where the idea of biceps after babies came from. I love it. Well, and I, I, I love that you're sharing this in the spirit of, of not only you're normalizing your experience, but you're also putting yourself in context. It does make a difference. We know that we know strength training makes a huge difference. Working out does make a big difference. And, and sometimes I feel like, I don't know, for, for me, I stepping into a different role, like getting, becoming pregnant, having, a, becoming a mom, I, I wanted to change so many things about myself. And so I think that might be an easy thing for women to a trap to fall into where they're, they're embarking on a new trajectory. Right. And they're like, I'm going to change myself. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a super fit person or whatever. And put the things that you just mentioned, like easy laborers, feeling, working, working out, walking home, those things. And they compare themselves to that, uh, to that standard without all of the before, the context, right? Like, yeah, yes, yeah. genetics, but you also worked for that. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like a huge surprise for you based on like your, like the way you've lived your life and your life circumstances. Right. So I think and not only what I, what I saw modeled for me, Yeah, like, this is what I saw modeled for me from mm -hmm. my mom. And I also think that speaks to the power of what are you modeling for, for your kids of like totally. how to be, but that's how my mom lived her life. Like that's exactly how my mom lived her life. And so for me, that was like, why would you do it any other way? Of course, you're going to go back to church right away. Not to saying that that's the right thing to do. Just saying that was what was normal for me. That was what was modeled for me. And we do what is modeled for us. <laughs> well, totally. Right. It's like how you think I, I was like, oh, my family doesn't have any traditions until I got married. And I was like, what are you people doing on holidays? You're doing this it wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's what is normal to you. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's hear yours. So I grew up, um, I, my family's pretty athletic, but I always felt like the runt of the litter. I was never really involved in sports and pretty disconnected from my body overall. I definitely had, um, was, was definitely felt like an ugly duckling for most of, for most of my life. So really like I tried to be kind of invisible with my body to be honest. Like I, I kind of more focused on being smart or having a, trying to be dynamic in my personality, that kind of a thing. So I really did not appreciate or, um, or try to try to get strong or try to get in shape. That was never really my thing. So, um, I got, I got, uh, I got married and I had a baby a couple years later. I was 28, I think. Um, it was, I gained about, 
um, 85 pounds in that pregnancy. Um, so that was intense. <laughs> um, and I definitely felt a ton of pressure to get that off. I, I, a ton of, um, I was super uncomfortable and felt really, really bad about that. I had postpartum depression and then, um, it was, this is, this is the space I'm talking about, Amber. It's like, it was, it would have been very easy for me to compare myself to you and been like, she's doing it right. I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. She's, she's perfect. I'm a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and just compound that, um, discomfort and misery within myself. Right. Um, when, and that is also what has led us to be so passionate about what we do too, because there's just a huge education pissing, um, piece missing for me. Um, it was like, if you'd asked me before macros, what sounded good to eat, it would have been like grilled cheese sandwiches, probably too. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you have just being empowered with the knowledge to make changes is, is really huge because without that knowledge, you just assume, well, there I'm, I'm just broken. There's just something wrong, fundamentally wrong with me. This is all I'll ever be. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I did, I did love becoming a mom. Um, but I would love, like you were saying, to model for my daughter, for my daughters, like a, a much more connected and appreciative relationship with their body that would really lend itself to like a, a great starting off place with motherhood. Mm-hmm. So did you say you were 28 when you had your first? Mm-hmm. So I think that's important too. I was 23. I was oh, 23 yeah. when I had my first and I was 30 when I had my fourth. And I, that like is a, that makes a big difference in how it impacts your body. My pregnancy at 30 was way harder than my pregnancy at 23. Mm-hmm. Not that it was better or worse. It's just that, that makes a difference. Oh, totally. And I noticed that with each one of mine afterwards, I, I, I was, I was not a very hardy pregnant person. However, this chick right here was, let's hear your story now. Well, so it's interesting. Cause like I have always been overweight my whole entire life. So I think I kind of just leaned into that when like uh, it was time to have babies. It's like, I didn't really care about the whole weight gain thing because I was already overweight. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't anything about there. So pr- there was no preservation involved. It was more just like, this is my body. We're going to, you know, we're going to start to try to have our family. And I had my very first baby at 26 and I have to be completely honest. Like I kind of feel like maybe I have a little little bit of a hybrid of both of you. Like I had great pregnancies. I actually had my water break, my first baby, and I still went to work. So, I mean, I was like still doing hair. I was on my feet the whole time. You know, I'm a hairdresser by trade. So you had your water break and you were still doing hair. Yeah. Because like leaking all over. I mean, it was like, I didn't really know. I woke up and it was kind of damp and I'm like, it's fine. I still have another couple days of work to go. So I'm just going to go in. So I did. And then later that night we did go to the hospital and they're like, you have a slow leak. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) so I mean, this is just kind of what I always worked literally right up until I gave birth. Um, I have five kids and my last baby, I went back to work two weeks later. So I have like, you know, maybe I didn't have the bounce back body or the bounce back, whatever that Amber had, but I definitely have had, I never got sick during my pregnancies. They were really great. I think maybe in some weird way, like, you know, Heavenly Father knew that I had to be able to work. I mean, that I am the breadwinner of our family. So being able to work up until and take as little time off and come back to work and do things like that was just kind of like the trajectory of it. And so 
as you can see, like the three of us have very, very different like baby experiences and none of them are right. You know, it's like everyone has a, a labor of love or a war story and, you know, things like, you know, whether it's nursing or, you know, or postpartum depression, like all these things are very, very real. And to feel that like you have to like match someone else's mm-hmm. recovery or match someone else's pregnancy story can be really, really damaging. Right. Yes. I mean, you have no control over what your hormones are doing. Right. And I don't even know that it was the right call to go back to work or whatever, but you know, every pregnancy was, is different, but I, and I wasn't active really through any of them. I think I started walking after my second, just because I had heard that labor was easier if you would walk all the time. So that was definitely something that like, I was like, I can walk, <laughs> you know, but there was definitely no weightlifting. There was no strength training or anything like that. And like, to be completely frank, like pregnancy has been the only time I've ever had a rock hard stomach. <laughs> so I mean, for those of you who are like, Oh, I better have abs before or after it's like, you can have a really firm stomach during, mm-hmm. you know, but I think what I would love for us to kind of go to into the next is like how people, they have these expectations for their pre baby and post baby bodies. And in reality, it's like you've gave birth like to a miracle. Seriously. I think we need to be a lot more kind about what that looks like. Right. Like oh. some of us, like you hear women, like I've never had any stretch marks and some of us do. And some of us mm-hmm. had really bad varicose veins. Some of us don't. I mean, and, and I'm sorry, but all the creams in the world, just for like a big old disclaimer, it's just a lot of it. Genetics, right? Genetics, yeah. yeah. Yep. And so let's talk about like women and like their weight expectations and their pre-baby. Like we hear a lot of times like, oh, I got to get in the best shape of my life before I have a baby. What are your thoughts on that, guys? <laughs> so many. <laughs> so I, I, I think we have to, we have to clarify what the best shape of your life is means. Because I think for a lot of women, that's an aesthetic best shape of like to them, best shape of your life means like a certain weight and a certain aesthetic and probably the leanest and the lowest. Right. Exactly. Whereas I think, I think getting in shape for pregnancy is actually really smart. I think the healthier you are, the healthier pregnancy you're going to have, the easier late, like it all comes together. So I, I totally support you getting healthy, but when you say healthy, do you really mean healthy? Do you really Uh, mean like you are actually like Going to right, like and just going to going to the exactly. gym more days of the week. Well, and can you and can you get healthy for pregnancy without weight loss? Like, has totally. that even has that even occurred to you that that's a possibility or a potential? Like, yes. there are those of you women out there who are complete under eaters. Getting healthy for pregnancy would be maybe actually weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so I think should we get healthy for pregnancy? Yes, I think we should, but we should actually focus on getting healthy <laughs> and not yeah. losing weight or getting a six pack or like being exactly. the leanest we've ever been. And that I think is a, is a huge information piece because I, I know, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing in your coaching practice as well, that a lot of women just have absolutely no idea how much they're supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. So it's, it's, if you're, you know, we had somebody ask us recently if we'd recommend they eat at a maintenance level during pregnancy. It's like, well, yes, of course, absolutely. And not a surplus. (laughs) Yeah. And and do you even know what that means? Right. Because like when we use these, like we know what we mean by get healthy. We're talking about being like reasonably active, getting good sleep, drinking plenty of water, um, fiber, you know, prioritizing some self-care. Yeah. Getting protein, strength training, like what, whatever. But it's, but um, you know, do you fundamentally, do you even know how much your, how much your body is requiring 
mm-hmm. energy wise, well, calorie wise. I love the points that you guys brought up because we have to say this, every woman is going to be different. Yes. You are going to have women who really do need to eat into a surplus in order to have a healthy, sustainable pregnancy. And then you have women who maybe don't, but mm-hmm. there's no way for you to know that just by you assuming that like, well, I am probably the person that doesn't get to eat anything. Right. You know, we went from this like- Why is that the assumption we always make? Well, agreed, Why don't we make right? the assumption that- <laughs> the Right, well, and this is the tricky thing. You know, we had this whole like, okay, well, you know, there's the whole eating for two thing, right? Like that you, that we've heard, especially for those of us who were pregnant in the nineties and two thousands, but it's like, we've swung the other pendulum where it's like, you are barely eating for one now. Yes. Like, it's like so many women are like, Oh, so we're not really eating for two. Then I better not even eat for one, which is myself because right. heaven forbid I put on, you know, outside of the rec- recommended air quote, you know, weight range. And it's like, they, that, those generalizations are, are definitely out there for a reason and for a purpose. But at the same time, you have to remember like every other study, it's a very small demographic of people that those kind of studies are on. You, and you don't really know that for yourself. You don't know that if you are like, you know, Heidi, you're in, you had to gain 80 pounds to have your babies, right? Some women might only have to gain 25. There, there's really no way for you to know that about yourself or decide that for yourself and to try to control those variables because you're like, oh, well, I better make sure that I stay within this. And that's the, right? that's the key right there is it, I mean, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't need to gain all of that weight, but at the same time, what's the cost? What would have been the cost of me micromanaging my intake during that time? Um, it probably, it, it probably would not the mental space I was in I don't know that it would have been super helpful at that time right but it all healthy is so individual and this is another just sidebar I want to add to what you're saying that if you're a woman that has extra weight and you're 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 assuming that you're not included in what I'm saying, like in terms of finding out what your maintenance level is, we find that women with extra weight are typically the greatest under eaters of all. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agreed. And what are your thoughts, Amber, about like the food thing? <laughs> the, f- the food the f- thing? The food yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually want to say something about lifting because um, I have people ask me a lot about lifting during pregnancy. And um, first of all, first of all, okay. So if we're talking about getting healthy before pregnancy, I do think starting lifting before you get pregnant is really valuable. If not for any other reason, then almost every physician or provider will tell you to not do anything new during pregnancy. And so if you've been lifting before pregnancy, you can then usually continue on what you've been doing. Um, And if you have a provider that isn't supportive of you lifting during pregnancy, my advice for you is to find a different provider. To me, that was something that was so important. And having a husband who is an OBGYN, there's plenty of research out there to support the um, benefits of weightlifting and strength training during pregnancy. Uh, And it was important enough for me that I found a provider that supported that, but I was willing to like interview people to find somebody who was willing to support me continuing to lift weights. Um, I taught body pump until the day I delivered, like all the way until the day I delivered, I was lifting weights. Um, So if I've had women say that their provider is not supportive of that, and my advice to that is get a new new provider, if that's something that's important to you. Um, So that's what I wanted to say about weightlifting, because I think that is something, again, as a husband who's an OBGYN, who specialized in urogynecology, who's all about the pelvic floor, one of the best things that you can be doing for your pelvic floor is squatting. Hands down. Yeah. Kegels, whatever. Squatting. Like everybody needs to be squatting more. Um, That's how you're going to be able to support that pelvic floor. 
Well, and generally, you know, you want to make sure that you're staying about relatively as active as you were like before your pregnancy, but also it's okay to start adding things in and exploring things too. I mean, you're definitely probably not going to be, you should probably not be starting to do box jumps, right? Don't do burpees. Yeah. Please stop but, doing burpees. But I mean, yeah, we like, we even have a girl at our gym who was like still attempting to do burpees, like with her like eight month pregnant belly. And like, oh. she figured out a way to like do them on her side. But at the same time, it's like, she, coach- she had been doing that. <laughs> the coach yes. died. When yes. she did right. that. Yeah. He was like, don't do no that anymore. Way. <laughs> right. But at the same time, she had been doing that she has also been doing crossfit for eight years so it's it way makes way more sense for her to attempt that than someone who has never done any kind of life yeah hit or anything before in her life you know so like let's also be realistic about what you're taking on and in your pursuit to like have this like you know picturesque healthy pregnancy too and i think that social media can also make that really damaging too like it's okay if you literally just walk also guys yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like totally. well, train, train absolutely and like get to a place if that's available to you but if it's not don't also beat yourself up that your pregnancy is not ideal or you know picture mm-hmm. perfect because you don't have the same circumstances like in a perfect world swimming would be great too swimming if you could swim during your pregnancy you know low impact stuff lists things absolutely. like that sometimes Fit. yoga stretching i mean great for sciatica all sorts of things that are beneficial right along with strength training but if those are not the circumstances of your life do not beat yourself up about it totally fitness is a lifelong pursuit mm-hmm. it's yes and pregnancy is nine months <laughs> of that like you know 80 years that you're mm-hmm. alive Heidi I'm curious um I felt like I, I had I stayed within the weight gain you know quote-unquote guidelines yes and I felt like there was definitely like for me there was a pressure of like if you stayed in that was like you got a good grade like you did pregnancy well <laughs> and if you went outside of that range and you gained 50 or 60 or 80 or 100 or however then it's like you did it bad like you did mm-hmm. it wrong did you have that experience I, I, I can only imagine you did because I feel like I had it on the other end of like good <laughs> girl you did good you only gained this amount of weight <laughs> we love our gold stars don't we yes. um I it actually wasn't really a thing until my until my last pregnancy um and I I mean I I gained like 85 with the first I, I mean I can't really even remember it like 60, I think with the, with like the following two. And yeah, I did get, um, I did get chided by my, by my doctor for, for my weight gain with the last one. Um, she told me that my thighs looked like uh, loaves of wonder bread. Which I didn't love. <laughs> Get a new I don't even know Get what that is supposed to mean, but oh anyway, it was, she was like subbing it. I just, I was, Kaiser midwife. Like you're always seeing somebody different, you yeah. know, oh but God. anyways, um, I yeah, it, I do time. that, but I know that has been like such a, such a hard thing. Like the 30 pounds, like don't 30 yeah, to 35 right. pounds. It's like, yeah. and that is exactly, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is exactly the kind of thing we're talking about. It's like, that's a standard. Okay. But like at the same time, like if you have 45, does that get 45 pounds of weight gain or, or whatever, does that mean that you're, you, you're not doing it right. I mean, you did it wrong. Like, yeah. and, and also like, what's your starting weight? Yeah. Do you know what I, you know what I mean? It's so arbitrary at the same yeah. time. Well, and as somebody who gained about 30, 35 and I was in that like a plus yeah. <laughs> rating range, didn't get me anything different. It's like, yeah. I didn't make my body any less like bounce back or air quote, whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it, that's once again, it's like, it's so, it's such an arbitrary number yes. based on like where you're at. Right. And I know that there are recommendations of course, like I get all that because there's, there, there are real health ramifications for 
you know, all, all sorts of things for sure. But at the same time, it's like the gold star <laughs> doesn't really actually affect how great of a mother you are or how well, great your recovery process is. Sorry. It's just the truth. It's like mm-hmm. the same thing with epidurals and natural births. It's like, I think we women like to collect badges of honor based on like how much, you know, we suffered through a pregnancy or we didn't suffer through a pregnancy or how hard it was or how, you know, like, you know, I know one of my sisters like loved the idea of like not having an epidural because she thought that that was like the way to do it because that meant like you were like robust. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, the second I can get an epidural, put it in me. Like yeah. <laughs> I want the NOS button. I want the drugs. I understand there's a risk of paralysis. It's fine. Right? <laughs> like this is me. Like I'm like, give me them. You yeah. know? And I think, but at the end of the day, like, is she a better mother or am I a better mother either way because of it? No. And I think that's what we need to realize, like all these expectations that we put on ourselves for like pre-baby, post-baby, getting in the genes, things like that, like they really don't, they really don't make a difference in, in, in as far as like the quality of motherhood. Well, right. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Amber, feeling like feeling maybe judged or, um, not well liked because of the way you, re- you're, you bounce back from pregnancy. It's like that, what, what we're talking about all this stuff, like, are, are we talking about, we're not talking about being healthy. We're not talking about, um, we're, we're just talking about aesthetics and judgments. And if we like at the time I would have thought, Oh, you're doing it right. And I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. But at this point, like we're both great mothers. Like what, what did it even impact? What did he, what it like, there's no lasting ramifications like you had maybe you got a gold star at the time but it's like at this point I have just as many as you like we're the same (laughs) I think that I think that one of the most damaging things is that idea that there's like a right way to do it and a wrong way I think that is so damaging and when we and I think you know you guys do a lot of this work with your clients too when we can get to the headspace where it just really is neutralized it's like oh that's the way she experienced pregnancy and this is the way I experienced pregnancy and neither of us is right and neither of us is the best way to do it it's just the different experiences, then we don't have to get into that like comparison of like, who's better. It's just like neither of us. It's just, she had a different experience than I did. Awesome. And even though it was emotionally pretty tough for me, like, I feel like I did need to go through that and I did need to experience that. And if I, if I could go back in time, I honestly wouldn't do it differently. The only thing I would tell myself is you're going to make it peanut. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to make it through this. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about like the dangers of like social media, especially at this time. Like I am for one, I'm so grateful oh. that there was no Instagram when I had kids because maybe I was like, Oh, maybe there were stuff to worry about. I didn't know about it at yeah, the time. You know, the most it was, was like, like you said, like maybe a girl that you, you know, got pregnant with at the same time, or maybe, you know, a celebrity in the magazine, you know, I mean, like I've had babies with like Angelina Jolie and a lot of them are Melissa Joan Hart, by the way, <laughs> I'm always <laughs> pregnant at the same time as Melissa Joan Hart. You mean Sabrina, the teenage, teenage exactly. witch? Yeah, right. I love that you're but keeping like, tabs on her. Exactly. But like, you know, Shiloh <laughs> and Corgan are the same age and like of Angelina Jolie. And I mean, who wants to be pregnant with Angelina Jolie for crying out loud? I mean, you want to talk about like really like getting in your head about something oh, is like geez. watching her, you know, as, as well as I, but I think I would love, you know, for, for women, if, if being on social media does not feel good to you, do not be on it. Yep. Like it's not going to somehow this, you don't need to haze yourself into like feeling good about your pregnancy by watching other women. Like, you know, there are like 3.5 to 4 million babies born in the United States every single year. Please stop comparing yourself to like four girls on Instagram. Seriously. Like if we had a composite of everybody's pregnancy, all 4 million every year, guaranteed you would feel way more content about your experience instead of trying to like fit it into this girl's you know, ideal. And I'm not, unless you're living her life, it's not applicable. You know, it, it, 
It just isn't. Well, and this is the thing that we do as women, right? We want to make this, we want to create this illusion that motherhood has a pinnacle of perfection that you can actually reach, Mm. right? Whether like, you know, your kids eat this certain way or your house looks a certain way or your kids are dressed a certain way. And the, the interesting and most ironic thing about it is that the longer you're in motherhood, you realize you have very little control over <laughs> really the outcome of stuff, no matter how much you really want it or how much you really try. Yeah. And like those things, like the, you know, even looking at them as somebody who doesn't, he's not going to be pregnant or have babies. It's like, it is kind of just like, Oh my gosh, like, look at that, mm-hmm. you know? And every now and again, you'll have these real women who actually show what a real postpartum belly looks like. And I'm like, thank you. Thank yeah. you for showing girls that you can walk out looking nine months pregnant because I did. Well, right. In fact, arguably I actually, you know, not arguably, but like I actually weighed more on my way out. And I'm like, I lost a placenta fluid and a baby. And I'm like, how am I so, like, why do I weigh more when I leave? But that might not be Amber's. Like Amber might've really, you know, weighed it all out and like literally lost all that too. And it's like, just like everything, whether you have the ability to get, you know, visible abs or you get your upper body gets jacked, or your lower body gets jacked. Like a lot of this comes down to genetics and life and like your mm-hmm. circumstances of your life. And, you know, I remember Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, saying like, if you didn't have my body before you had a baby, you probably won't have my body after. And she wasn't being rude about it. She was just stating the facts. She's like, I have a nanny. I have a personal trainer. I have somebody to clean my house. Like if somebody who makes my food. Yeah. If you have the circumstances of my life, then me, Maybe, and this is also like a big, heavy maybe, maybe you could have that. But you also like, you know, like, did you have, like Amber, were you working out since you were 14, lifting mm-hmm. these weights? Like, it's just the expectations, I think, that we're not being, and, and not even, let's not even talk about the kid. Like, does your baby have colic? Do they sleep through the night? Oh my gosh. Like, are you nursing? Are you not nursing? Like, you know, like, do they have like horrible diaper rash that you have to be up for? Like, are you sleeping well? Like, yeah, so do you have a partner? Th- are you at home or do you have to go back to work? And do you have somebody that can watch the kid or do you take him to daycare? I mean, all these things are just like stress upon stress upon stress. Right. So to pattern yourself after like some idyllic mom that you follow on Instagram, is really unfair to you. Mm-hmm. And frankly, your kid too. Yeah. Hmm. Way to throw that one in there. Amen. Like, women won't believe in themselves just to love themselves. But if you throw a kid and they're like, well, maybe, I, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I could try to love myself for them. You know, so <laughs> that's a place they, to start. So let's, let's, I, would, I want to know your thoughts. When you guys hear a lot of women who are like, I want to get healthy for my kids. Mm-hmm. I want to like lose weight for my kids. What does that bring up for you? Well, I mean, what do <laughs> phrased like that, I guess my question would be like, why, why do you think they care? And, um, what are the judgments that you are imagining that they, that they have about you? Or what is it that you think that that like losing weight would do, do for them or show for them? Like I mentioned before, like what I want to model for my, my daughters is a good relationship with your body and with food. It doesn't, I, I mean, I'm not, can't, <laughs> my kids are not counting macros or like, you know, I'm not, it has nothing to do with body fat. I mean, if Elsie gains 80 pounds with her first pregnancy, so be it. Like I, it's not about that. It's just about, um, loving and appreciating what you have and you're already setting an example for your kids. So, um, kind of like what, what we said earlier is like, why are you assuming it's so bad? Right. Yeah, like why does having a baby mean you automatically look worse, right? Yeah. Or you're actually worse off, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think also, again, when people say that, they're confabulating aesthetics with health. And I think a lot of people, they use this idea, oh, I want to get healthy for my kids as a cover for what they really want, which is to lose weight or to like look mm-hmm. leaner or look smaller. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that, but I think it's really important to we take these two things that are not the same and we 
confabulate them. We collapse them down into one thing and we say, I want to get healthy. And when we can split those out again, right? So it's like, take that one thing and split it out and realize that, like, like you said, Heidi, you want to have a, have your kids have a good relationship with their body that can happen at a size 20, that can happen at a size 40, and that can happen at a size four. And so and it can happen whether you gained 85 pounds in pregnancy exactly. or whether you gained 10 or whatever. Exactly. So we like it, when we separate that out and we get clear on what we really mean when we say, I want to get healthy for my kids, or I want to, I want to, you know, whatever you say that's for your kids, when we can really tease that out of like what that actually means to you there's a lot of clarity that comes com- comes from it because what you say that you want and what you actually want aren't always the same things. Oh, so well said. Right. And my question will also be like, why can't you do it for you? Yeah. Why can't you say well, like, I want to lose weight? Thing, yeah, right? I want to lose weight for me. Like, like because, we, because if you do that, then it's like not a good goal. Like that's a vain goal. That's that's selfish. That's like all yeah. the, like all these words that we put on women. And this like goes back to like patriarchy. Like we've put on women to like mm-hmm. try and keep them small and plain small. Um, rather than it's it's admirable to say I'm going to do it for my kids. It's selfish to say you're going to do it for you. Well, what's Absolutely. hilarious about it is that it actually shows your kids that like you should totally do things for other people despite yes. what. Like, that's that's <laughs> literally what it tells them. them. It says <laughs> kids don't do drugs when your friends tell you to do drugs, but try to please everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, burn yourself down. At the expense of other people. That's really what we're here for. But also be confident in yourself. But what's so interesting is like, you know, with women and, and this excuse and this, this, and, and I'm not meaning excuse in a bad way, guys. Like we've all said it before. We've, we've thought the same things. Like maybe if I do this, like, you know, it'll be better for my children or whatever. Like, I mean, being selfless as a mother is a very real thing, but at the same time, there's a level of selfishness that most of us don't employ and realize that when you are a little bit selfish, with what you want in your time, you're actually a better mother for it. But I think what's interesting is if you spend time picking yourself apart, that's the example they see. They see that you're not good enough as is, therefore they might not be good enough as is. Mm -hmm. That's what that tells them. When you talk about like how fat you are or how you want to lose weight or how you won't, you know, won't do this, this or this or this because you feel like you're limited by certain things that shows them that that's something that they should be aware of that like, maybe I need to change. Maybe I'm not perfect as is. Maybe there's things that are wrong with me. And accepting of like where we're at also lets them know that they're accepted where they're at too. 100%. Forget that. Cause a lot of times let's be real. Nobody knows how much you weigh your kids. I guarantee you don't know when you've lost five or 10 pounds. Yeah. They know if you're happy though, they know if you feel good, they know if you feel confident, they know if you're being loving and supportive to yourself and loving and supportive to them. If you're kind, you know, whatever it is, they notice that for sure. But guaranteed, they don't know how much you weigh. Well, and Brene Brown talks about this. She, she says a lot of parents reject it because they don't want to believe that you can't, They like this statement that you can't, you can't give what you don't have or you can't love someone else more than you love yourself. A lot of parents take issue with that because they're like, no, no, I do. I love my kids more than I, more than I love myself, but there's a, but it's like everything that we're talking about here. It's like, you can't pour from an empty cup, right? If you, if you can't set aside boundaries, just if you can't create a boundaried space for yourself inside of motherhood, if you like, you can't keep some sort of like self-concept, do you know what I mean? If you just give you, like, if you just let, how do if you lose yourself in motherhood, it's just going to be a lot harder to find yourself after they, after they leave. Yeah. Can I share a really weird metaphor? But I was thinking about this as Nat was, was um, talking Um, in business. I've heard the tip often. um, People don't like to be salesy and entrepreneurs 
a lot of beginning entrepreneurs really struggle with being too salesy. And one of the tips that I've heard when it comes to copywriting is to write your first draft and be like as salesy as possible. Um, as gross and whatever you want to like say that you think is too salesy, do it that way. And then pull it, and then pull it back from there. Um, because the tendency that people have is to not be salesy enough. And it made me think of the same thing in terms of being selfish. So many things, so many women are so far on the side of like, I don't want to be selfish. I want to be selfless that if they would just like try to be selfish and then maybe pull it back a little bit, they would actually probably land in a much more happy, moderate place than staying way far on the side of like, I want to do everything for everybody else. I don't want to be selfish at all. Um, and I think there are some, you know, there are some people who struggle with being selfish, but I think the vast majority of women are way far on the other side of the spectrum. Totally. And if you just come a little bit closer to the middle, you're going to find a lot more happiness and self-fulfillment. Yeah, fully agree. <laughs> it's so funny. There's another marketing principle that, um, where like, if you don't tell your customers why, why you're making a change, they'll make up their own, make up their own story about and it. And they won't, yeah. it won't be as flattering as like the truth or whatever. And yeah. I think it's the same thing that goes with, with kids too. It's like being, um, like you were, like you were saying, not just, it's not just about being careful about what you say, because kids remember, they, they observe and they remember what you, what you do, not just what you say. Right. So it's like, if you don't want to be in the picture or if you don't want to wear the thing or, or those kinds, they pick up on those subtle messages and they, they might make it exactly mean something about them or make it mean way worse than, than what you had intended. I have a funny story about that. My, um, so we have a gym in, in our backyard. And so my husband and I lift in the gym and sometimes our kids will come out and lift with us. And my son came out and he was like doing deadlifts with like this trainer bar that we had. And I was dying because before every rep, he would go over to the chalk bag and he would chalk his hands up and then he would come over and then he would, and then he would pull, he would pull and stand up and then he would push it down. And then he would roll his shoulders back and like kind of shake himself out. Yes. <laughs> and he would like do this like breathing thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what we do when we like perform a deadlift. Aww. He's just like watched it over and over and over. Like I, I like saw him roll his shoulders. Like it was just that hilarious. So and it, just, it was such a reminder of me. Like, yeah, kids care what you say, but they really care what you do and what you model yes. for them. Totally. 100%. So let's talk like post- Post-baby. Yeah. Post-baby. And like the things that like women tend to chase, you know, whether it's like losing weight before they have their next kid or, you know. Before they're even done nursing. Before they're even done nursing or like this, you know. If you oh, nurse. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you know, how soon is it to go into a deficit or getting back into my pre-baby genes and, or like looking what I did, like when I got married before I had kids and how I want to look like I never had a baby mm -hmm. because we for some reason, put value on looking like we've never had children, <laughs> even though we have had children. <laughs> so I want, my house, I want my house to look like nobody ever lives here. Oh my gosh. Good comparison. <laughs> seriously. Comparison. Well, and also like, you know, like we were talking earlier about like, oh no, pregnancy is going to ruin my body. Like, oh no, just like turning 40, my metabolism is going to crash. It's like... Neither of those things Heidi, are true. You said something um, before we hit record that I thought was really interesting. Um, that you, I had the experience of like working out before I got pregnant um, and you didn't have that experience. And you said that part of you was actually glad that you didn't have that experience because there wasn't this longing for the body that you had before. And I find that that is an experience for a lot of women. There is this longing or this expectation that this unachievable, like 
I want to get back to that exact place that I was before I had babies. And you said you didn't have that because you didn't find like back rows or lifting or working out until after babies. Will you kind of just like speak to that a little bit? Cause I think yeah. you have a, a good perspective on this. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know, it was personality to learn everything the hard way, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, a lot of women do glorify like their high school number or their pre-baby weight. And I get that a lot of women, they view that as their personal best, like in their late teens, early twenties kind of a thing. But that really wasn't my experience at all. Um, again, just feeling like I just, I had a very rocky relationship with my body. I felt like it was a big disappointment. Um, and again, something that I was always trying to keep hidden. And in fact, pregnancy was almost like a reprieve from that because it felt like, well, this is a pregnant body. So it doesn't get to be evaluated by like regular standards. Rubric that exactly. like, although, exactly. although we still have those group of women who are like, I just want to hurry up and look pregnant already. So no one just thinks I'm fat uh, as if that's a problem. Yeah, too, right. Right. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, it was, it, and, and that continued to be the case really until, um, I didn't really start this whole fitness journey or what you want to call it until I was done having kids. So, and that, and I really didn't know what to expect. So it has been, has been really fun, honestly, because, um, it's, it's continual. I continually feel like I'm hitting my best. I mean, they're, yeah, they're like, okay, so maybe last year was my leanest year or whatever, but, um, there are things about that, that I do not envy and I do not miss. Right. And, and I think that, um, maybe because I know what it, maybe because I know what it takes. Whereas like some people are just genetically gifted to, to be lean and small or whatever during those years. So, so yeah, I, I, I have been spared that. And I, and I, I mean, I think you as well, right? Like it's kind of how you feel as well. well and now. how, and how good does it feel to think that your personal best is behind you? Yeah. I mean, whether, whether it's from like Terrible. a, like a, like a lifting weights perspective or like, I mean, let's be real, like God willing, we have at least another 40 years in us. Like, am I, I really going to be like missing my twenties? Gotta be completely honest. I don't miss my twenties no. actually, you know, like know. anything I maybe miss my thirties only because like that was such a great decade. Thirties right? were awesome. Thirties were awesome, but can we be forties in our thirties? It's, it's, <laughs> it's the things that you don't really realize or learn until you know, back to the unsolicited advice, there's a reason why that exists out there is because people do want you to learn from their experiences or they've had this experience and they're hoping that like you won't make the same mistakes, but at the same time, like just know that they're all part of your experience, your life experience. Like, yes. Whether or not you have really great pregnancies or you don't get pregnant at all, or you, or you have really awful pregnancies, like those are all your own personal experience. You get your, you get your own narrative, just like everything else that we do as women. It's like, this is why once again, like the comparison game is just so toxic because there's literally no two of us who have had the same exact experience, even amongst the three of us. Mm -hmm. And every single child is different. Yes. I mean, if you look at like the composite of our kids, like no two are alike. And every pregnancy was different. Every pregnancy was different. And, and every, and every way raising them, even just to like, you can dress yourself. I really don't care what you wear. Eh, there's a hole in me, whatever. It's fine. Or like, if you leave without your hairbrush, it's fine. Where before, like maybe you were definitely more like, you know, leave, you know, leave in brush, comb, shower every night, bathe every night, sleep routine. It's like yes. from, from kid to kid and body to body and age to age, like everything about our lives changed because the composite of our lives changed. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Oh, and we need to stop like thinking that like someone else's like, you know, we always hear like, Oh, don't compare yourself or like, you know, someone's day 556 to like your day one. And the same thing goes with pregnancies and babies. It's like, that might be her life right this second. 
it might not always be that way. So it's really dangerous to be like, oh gosh, I really wish that my day, my pregnancy looked like Amber's first pregnancy. It's like, what, how does it, did I get you Amber's first pregnancy? No. Well, and does it get you her fourth? No. But, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, what good does it do for you? Like, how does that benefit you as like a mother and as somebody who is going to actually like raise and hopefully, you know, curate like these really beautiful humans that like we're allowed to be like how does how does diminishing like what your experience was benefit you as a mother it doesn't really well absolutely so well said and similarly even if the person you're comparing yourself to is a prior version of you like what you're practicing is this thought pattern that like all the good stuff is behind you and that's like are you going to be like so are we going to be if i'm 40 wishing i was in my 20s am i going to be 60 wishing i'm in my 40s like what like like as Carly Simon would say these are the good old days <laughs> it's like you know what practice enjoying the now and and the present moment and all of that I mean That's if right. I yeah if there I guess maybe I will edit my previous statement and if there is something I wish I could go back it's um I wish I could release some of those, maybe those body concerns and just like lean a little bit more into enjoying motherhood. But again, those are the things, I mean, that's the plight of the first time mom, right? It's, it's like every experienced mom wants to come over and be like, it's going to be okay. Just relax, like enjoy it, let it be. But you have to learn that for yourself, you know? And kind of maybe the same thing with fat loss. It's like, you know, we have all these dreams about what it's going to cure for us and, Maybe you have to lose some of the weight to realize like, oh, wait, I still have some of the same issues <laughs> or gain it back to realize you have some of the same issues. Yeah. So all starts in, you know, in right. your thoughts. So like final thoughts and takeaways, Amber, like at the end of this like conversation, which I really enjoyed, by the way, ladies, <laughs> um, what would you want them to hear or what would you want them to know? So I think the, the, the thing that's coming up for me, and it came up for me at the beginning of the, of the episode, and I think it just kind of summarizes what we're saying. One of, the, one of the questions that I hate the most, and I ask this question too, so like this is not me saying that like, oh, I don't ask this question, is the question, is this normal? I hate that question because I think underlying that question is this belief that you are abnormal. Um, this belief that like everybody else has it together or whatever your experience is the wrong experience. I think that's the underlying belief when somebody asks that question. My experience must be wrong and I want to normalize it by finding out there's other people like me. And that's a very human phenomenon. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But I think how amazing it would be if we were able to just own what it is that our experiences and and normalize it. It doesn't like nobody, you don't, nobody else has to have the same experience for it to be normal for you. Uh, and so if we can just stop asking ourselves, is this normal? And just say, no, this is normal for me. I'm okay. I'm fine. Whatever I'm experiencing is what I'm experiencing. And that makes it normal. <laughs> it doesn't have to uh, be, nobody else has to share it for it to be normalized. Yep. And even if that, even if those feelings are, are being kind of sad or overwhelmed or um, disappointed or, or whatever it is, like, instead of telling yourself like you're, you're feeling wrong or you're doing it wrong. Like what we're talking about here with, with motherhood and parenting, what do we all want our mothers, mothers to do? Just like I was talking about with the first time mom, they, we want them to reassure us and tell us that everything's going to be okay. And it's all going to work out and that they've got us. 
you know, and similarly, you can do that for yourself when you're, if you're struggling with extra weight or with pregnancy or with not being able to get pregnant or those other things, it's like, have some compassion for yourself. What would you say to daughter, sister, friend who was struggling with those things and, and try to extend that to yourself. That's what actually builds your relationship with yourself. That's what grows your confidence is knowing that you'll have your own back, no matter what negative emotion you're experiencing or positive, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That some statements. Um, you know, I this it's actually been really interesting just kind of like chatting with you guys because like as I think about it, it's like I don't know that I want anyone else's baby experience than my mm-hmm. own. It's like I mean, oh. I definitely think that yeah, you know, we think it would have been great to like you know do this and that and have it like look like this and look like that, but like, do we really even know that? Like, like mm-hmm. the quality of like your life experiences cannot be someone else's then they would not be your own, right? And it's just like, as individual as like the little humans that we brought into the world and the experiences we had in, you know, trying to have them. I mean, I remember just like, I mean, I don't know what your guys' like, you know, trying stories were, but I just remember like there was a point where you're like, man, I really, I really want to be a mom. Like I'm ready Mm -hmm. for this, right? But how easy is it for us to diminish that desire because it's like, oh, but it's got to look this way. It's like, remember when you like first got your first house, you're like, oh, but you know, the brick is orange, weird, and the cabinets are funky. And like, you know, it's like we're diminishing yes. these like life experiences that are really formative for us. Mm-hmm. And like, really, at the end of the day, it comes down to like, what do you want your life to look like? Because you do get to curate that for yourself. But mm-hmm. if it's really about like waiting for those 10 pounds to like come off in order to feel better about your life, you're missing kind of the point of it all, you know? Mm-hmm. And motherhood is like the ultimate sacrifice. It is like you you don't even really know who you are until like after you're like, you're like in a puddle and pool of tears with very little sleep. And like, you know, (laughs) like trying to figure out like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I doing with this? And those are the things that like no amount of weight loss will prepare you for. Mm -hmm. And no amount of aesthetics will get for you. It's like those vulnerable moments where you feel like, goodness, I just want to make it Yeah, (laughs) like that comes down to like really the culmination of like what motherhood and like pregnancy is to me. It's like, it is a really, really tumultuous emotional place. At least it was for me. Yeah. Lots of hormones, lots of changes, but at the same time, like beautiful experiences and like, Mm -hmm. let's not like diminish those because they don't look like someone else's. Yep. All the, comes with all the fluctuations, right? (laughs) Scale, emotions, all of it. All right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was such a fun chat. We really could like wax poetic about all the things. I know. I mean, I think you guys know if you guys have been around hanging out with Amber, Heidi and I, it's like, we really just want you to like be excited to like figure out who you are Mm -hmm. and like what your life looks like. Yep. Appreciate and love yourself. Yeah. You deserve it. And that is the best thing you can do for yourself and your kids. 100%. I hope that you enjoyed that unfiltered, raw rant from the three of us. We... It's, we feel like it's like inviting you into the gym with us. We CrossFit together every morning at 5.30. And we, in between sets and in between wads, we have conversations like this where we'll talk about what's happening in our business or things that we've experienced with clients or things that are, you know, are blowing up our DMs. And we have these types of conversations. And we just thought, hey, that'd be fun to include other people into it. Include the podcast listeners into it. You can also check out, we co-released this episode. So you can go listen to it on their podcast, 
or, you know, maybe go listen to another podcast episode um, on their podcast, but they have a fabulous podcast. It's called the butter dish. Let me just tell you that um, Natalie's creativity is about a thousand times more than me. <laughs> she has really great ideas for really great names. So their podcast is called The Butter Dish and definitely go check that out on wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like my podcast and you've run out of episodes, chances are you're going to love Heidi and Nat's podcast because they're freaking amazing. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hey, friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And, you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.